Welcome to Always Andersonville, the podcast. I'm Laura. And I'm Sarah. Today, we are joined by Amy Giordano, owner of Gush Giordano Dance School located at 5230 North Clark. The school offers a variety of dance programs from classes in all styles and levels, including ballet, jazz, tap, hip-hop, contemporary, musical theater, and more for children from age 2 to 17, as well as drop-in classes for adults and summer camps and intensives. Amy is honored to continue the school her parents Gus and Peg Giordano started in Evanston in 1953. Amy moved the school from Evanston to Andersonville in 2011 to fulfill her father's dream of having his school in Chicago. Amy loves being located here, and she knows her parents would have loved the wonderful atmosphere in Andersonville. Amy also runs the Gus Giordano Jazz Legacy Foundation, which aims to create the same culture, uplifting spirit, and dedication to spreading the joy of jazz that her parents Gus and Peg gave to thousands of people. The Legacy Foundation funds scholarships to dancers of all ages and sponsors performances and masterclasses to schools in the Chicagoland area. Welcome, Amy. Thank you so much for being our guest today on the podcast. How are you today? I am great. And first, I want to thank all of you. This is an honor to be on the podcast. I am just overwhelmed and so happy to do this today. I've been listening to the podcast. They are amazing. And I just really want to thank the Andersonville Chamber for the supportive environment that they create for all the businesses in Andersonville. I love it here. Amy, thank you so much. I'm so caught off guard. No, it's an honor to have you on. It's an honor to be here. Thank you. Well, Amy, you have such a rich history, and it's hard to know where to begin. Uh, your father, <laughs> um, your father and mother, Gus and Peg Giordano, opened the dance school in Evanston in 1953. Can you tell us more about the origins of the school and about your parents? Yes, I would love to, um, because I credit so much of everything of who I am because of both of them. Um, they were two really unique and wonderful people um, that found each other in college. Uh, my dad was actually five years older than my mom because he had the only way he could go to college was on the GI Bill. His parents had no money. His uh, dad came from Italy, Sicily, when he was 18 with his two brothers. And my dad really saw being able to he signed up to be a Marine in World War II uh, because he saw it as an opportunity to explore the world. He always had an outlook on life of everything was an opportunity. And to be able to actually be going away to war, but saw it as a chance to get to know other cultures, other nations. He was actually in Zamboanga, and he was a gunner on um, an air, uh, you know, on a f gunner on an airplane, which is really amazing when you think of a marine and then also a dancer. Mm -hmm. um, when he came, when he finished World War II and came back to college, that's when he met my mom. They both went to the University of Missouri. And they met and fell in love and got married. And he had always enjoyed dancing. He discovered it. He was five years old. His mom was from New Orleans. 
and they went back to New Orleans for a cousin's confirmation. And his cousin was in eighth grade and he was a tap dancer. And so my dad saw it. And he and when they went back to St. Louis, he said, Mom, I want to learn how to do that. Like, And she had no idea. She didn't know where to go, what to do. He said, I, I need special shoes. We're going to get a wooden board. My dad was very influential in telling his parents things that... Um, He's like, we can always learn more and really explore other areas. So he would teach. They didn't have much money, so he would teach lessons in his basement to all the kids in the neighborhood for five cents, so he would get money to take his own dance lessons. I truly believe that it was a gift that was just born in him. He wanted to dance more than anything. After my parents got married... My dad was actually in a Broadway show in New York, and the wedding was on a Saturday, no, on a Sunday morning. He had a show Saturday night. He came home that night, said to my mom, I have something to tell you. And she's like, oh my goodness, he's going to tell me that he married a showgirl, and like (laughs) he doesn't want to get married. And he said, Peg, they're closing the show. She goes, is that all? (laughs) She goes, I thought you were going to marry a showgirl. I don't care. Of course I want to still marry you. But he was very worried because he didn't have a job. And he was actually in Wish You Were Here. It was a show by Josh Logan, who also did Seven Brides for Seven Brothers. And they built a swimming pool on the stage. And we have photos at the studio of him in a bathing suit and with the two ladies on either side. And that was Wish You Were Here. That was the show he was in. So they got married. They moved to New York. And... He was doing a lot of, he did the Ed Sullivan show and the Perry Como hour. Like he just was working all the time. He had a lot of jobs. He didn't want that lifestyle. He wanted to really concentrate on what he actually created, jazz dance. Because when he was taking and learning, it was called modern jazz. So he got a job in Chicago through the International Film Council. And he said, we're going to move to Chicago because that that can be my base. I don't want the New York scene. He didn't. It, he wasn't interested in choreographing and dancing and doing the same thing on Broadway. You're listening to somebody else's movements and choreography. And his his mind was always like creating everywhere he went. He was creating. So they moved, and the school was opened where the International Film Council was in Evanston on Davis Street, and he started teaching in one room in that building. His whole entire life was to elevate jazz dance. He felt that it didn't have the respect that modern and ballet had, and he wanted it to be on the same playing field. It was his own unique style, so much to the fact that his entire life, he wasn't promoting Gastronano. He was always promoting jazz dance. He wrote a book. He was the first to put dance on television, on PBS. He would do half-hour television shows. I was in one with him when I was six. I'll never forget, like he had a vision, and I, I've talked to the the men that, that worked with him, the directors and also the lighting designers, and they said, Gus just, he just knew. It's very hard to put dance on TV because it looks very flat, especially this is in the, the late 
um, 50s, early 60s, it didn't, you didn't know, they didn't have the camera crews. But he said, your dad just, he made it look easy. He could take all of the choreography along with telling me how to angle the camera so that to get it to the right shot. Yeah, well, I was going to ask Amy, because I've heard you talk about your dad so many times. And um, I think it's always just, it's so, it's like hearing it for the first time every time because I'm reminded of just how much of an innovator he was and kind of a change maker in dance. But can you talk a little bit more about this, you know, creation of jazz dance? And my guess is when he was learning tap in St. Louis and teaching other kids, like that wasn't jazz. So how did he come about that? And how did he become the father of Jazz, jazz dance. dance. Yes. Yeah. He's actually known as the godfather or grandfather of jazz dance. And jazz dance is really the current, whatever's happening in society right then, it's a reflection of the times. It's everything from he would see the L going by and the sounds that the L would make and a dance would just develop in his head. So it's it's really a reflection of our culture. And if you look back of jazz dance, the 1920s, the roaring 20s, that was jazz dance. It all evolves. Jazz dance has become, it's the father of hip hop. Hip hop jazz is all very controlled isolations with the body and the neck and the head and the shoulders. That's hip hop. Uh, it also, jazz dance is the father of lyrical. Now you don't really even hear about lyrical because lyrical has been replaced with the new child of jazz dance is contemporary. Jazz dance is your, is your base and your roots to be able to expand and do something even more creative. It lets you push the boundaries. Ballet, you have to start everything with ballet. Ballet is your core to be a strong technical dancer. With ballet, when I was dancing, you couldn't take jazz dance until you were 13 years old because you needed that foundation, that ballet foundation. You could also take tap because that gave you the rhythm that you would need to listen to the music and to hear the beats. And then modern. Modern gave you the groundedness when you you really should get all your energy from the floor. When you bend your knees, you're getting all this... Um, the, the ground that you get from modern really gives you that you're able to jump and, you know, reach these high levels because you have to go low to come high. Jazz then allows you to break all the boundaries. It, it doesn't have to be all just ballet is very linear and, you know, they're not on the ground and doing things. Um, jazz can be on the ground, it can be up in the air, it can be couples together, it can be partnering. It's, it encompasses everything you see and do, and that's what makes it so exciting. Your mass audience is very attracted to, mass, to jazz dance. They're not sure why, but it just makes them feel good. It can, be, it can be sexy, it can be happy, it can be silly, it can be sad. It really is all the emotions of life. Well, Amy, we'd like to hear a little bit more about your story. Um, you danced as a child and into your teen years uh, before you suffered injuries related to a car accident and eventually went on to a career in marketing. 
How did dealing with that injury as a young person change your outlook on life? I, I've realized as I get older that I'm very blessed with seeing positives no matter what happens in my life. I had always danced uh, since the time I was, you know, three or four years old. I don't remember not, not dancing. And I truly, truly loved it. Um, the last three or four years when I was able to do jazz, um, I really felt just, um, just a sense of confidence and worth. And it, I knew that I was not born with what they would call a dancer's body in terms of flexibility. My dad was also not flexible. So I had to work very hard to get those splits and to get some of that flexibility. And when, you, when you're actually in charge of your own, if you work hard enough at it, you can do it. And that just gave me such a sense. I'll never forget getting my splits, you know, when I was 15 up at the studio and it was very hot and that was very helpful. You always want heat, like hot yoga today. Many people like it because the heat makes your muscles more flexible. So I like that sense of being in control. If you work hard at something, you can get better at it. You're the only one. And that's really what I try and give all my students today that dance. You're in control. And some people might get it before you do just because physically bodies are different. But you know if you did better than the week before. So um, in high school, I was in, I was a passenger um, in a car accident. And I completely shattered uh, my right kneecap in 100 pieces. And at the time, um, I really, I, I had several knee surgeries. I was in a lot of chaos. And I never, it never upset me that I thought I'm not going to be able to dance again. I really didn't even think that that would happen. And I knew I wanted to go to college. That was very, very important to me. And at that time, colleges didn't have dance programs. You couldn't graduate high school and go to get, you know, a major or even a minor in dance. It, it didn't exist. And if you did go to college, by the time you came out of college, you were considered old in the dance world. And college was always something that I was very, um, it was very important to me and I was very passionate about. So I just saw it as a positive. I didn't really even have to make a choice of do I dance? I couldn't dance. I was in cast. I was still having surgeries. And so I went to Tulane um, in New Orleans, and uh, I I never visited the school. I didn't visit any colleges because, again, my parents had given me a gift of if you go in with a positive attitude, you're going to enjoy it. I mean, this is everyone there is a freshman like you. I thought it was very unique. I wanted to go to a, a city that was different from Chicago so that I could get a new perspective on just life and culture. I was very lucky with Tulane because there were people that went there from all over the country. Um, so it was not, maybe everyone wasn't just specifically from the South. And during all this time, I always worked for my mom and dad doing everything behind the scenes. So I, I graduated uh, from Tulane and I came back to Chicago and um, I got a job uh, my first job actually was with Allnet Communications, which is very similar to an MCI Sprint. Uh, this was when the telephone industry was first, like AT&T was the breakup. And so it was very much a corporate job. And, you know, I worked on the floor with 50 other people. 
It was great experience to have to get on the phone and try and sell this new phone equipment. And I realized, I don't think I want to go into sales. <laughs> and I, I really design and marketing, I think, everything from um, my parents and dance. It allowed me a creative outlet. So I worked for, I left there and worked for um, Darcy Mesa's Benton and Bowles. While I was working um, at Darcy Mesa's Benton and Bowles, I also I got married, and then I had my daughter Lauren, and then I was uh, 29, and Lauren was 19 months, and my son Edward it was just born. He was a week old. And my mom passed away um, from a massive heart attack uh, the day uh, after Mother's Day. And that was that really changed my whole world because I became my dad's personal assistant and took over everything my mom handled. And that's when I realized that my dad had, in fact, changed everything in the dance world. I always just saw him as an amazing man. I knew he had done incredible things, but I didn't realize the impact he had had on society all throughout people in Chicago that have nothing to do with dance that took social ballroom from him and said wow he just changed my whole perspective like dance can be cool and you know who is this person and these are now painters and uh, politicians Ram actually was one of his students and he really touched just thousands upon thousands of lives and he actually went out beyond Evanston and taught it all over the world. He went to every state in the U.S. Um, beyond that, Europe and Asia and, you know, uh, South America, anywhere. He just wanted to spread jazz dance. So when my mom passed away, that really changed my story. I was... Um, began working for him full time and I was able to do it at my house and be raising my children and do everything. I became my mom really behind the scenes, taking care of just, there's so many aspects to the school and to what my father was doing that it could go from producing a show for like I did a show with him for Hyman Walker uh, to the Hyatt Hotel's, you know, anniversary to filling a, a class with, you know, five-year-olds and making sure that they have the right attire. So it really ran the gamut. And I love doing that. I really like to be able to nurture that's my creativity so I can do all these different things and design a brochure and recommend a song to a teacher and say I see this dance I want it like this but it I couldn't have also been in every classroom teaching every dance because I would never be able to do both ends of it and I had I then I had another daughter um Sarah so I had I was a mom of three yeah, so you are a working mom of three children and a small business owner. And on this podcast, we have had so many small business owners and working parents and always love to hear their perspective. Um, tell us about your kids and how they've been incorporated into the family business. And what does it what does it mean to you over the years to be able to work alongside them? It means everything. Um, of everything I've done in my life, my children are my proudest moment. They truly 
they have, I was their mentor and teacher when they were younger. And now I look at them to allow me to look at the world in a fresh new way because they are all young adults. And that is the greatest gift to keep. When you keep thinking young and looking at things young, you're all, you're open to so many wonderful opportunities. Uh, my oldest daughter, Lauren, um, she just got married and her, um, her husband is absolutely wonderful, Lauren and Mike. Lauren works for me full time. Uh, she's an amazing teacher, an amazing choreographer, and a, an amazing, uh, you know, just role model to her brother and sister. And Edward, I'm extremely proud of Edward. He is, I would call him the child whisperer. <laughs> Every child from age two through 18, 20 years old, they just follow Edward. He has the most nurturing uh very similar actually to my dad. My dad loved children and he was working for me part-time helping out at the reception desk. And um, one of the principals at the school here really noticed him and said, you're amazing with children. I would really like you to work for me. So he does work at CPS now full-time and I'm, that's amazing. Yeah. I'm just so happy for him. And then my youngest, Sarah, is a senior at University of Alabama. And again, that was a very, I think she's like, I'm going to try something different. And the University of Alabama does have a different culture and atmosphere. She had no idea that football was their main. She went for dance (laughs) and because they have a wonderful dance program. And she said, yeah, mom, every day the teachers keep saying, Roll Tide, Roll Tide. (laughs) Why do they keep saying Roll Tide? Well, now she's on the bandwagon and she just came back from Atlanta to follow the team. But it was really, it was just, I I really like things in college. You can get so many new things out of college that maybe are different from what you're used to. And some of her best friends, you know, are from very small towns in Alabama, and she really treasures that. Um, so, and she also works for me. Uh, she is also a full-time dancer, and she teaches camps when she's home. And we have our holiday show, which is coming up at Sutton High School. She will be there to help. So I'm very being a small business owner. It is. It's. 24 7 it is seven days a week 24 hours a day I grew up with that and you have to you have to really you want to you have to be very passionate about it to spend that much time with your business but having my children also involved with it but I also wanted to keep that balance of and we'll try you know on the weekends let's try and not talk always about business Amy, you are quoted as saying that your father's dream was to have his school in the city of Chicago as he knew that he could reach more students here and that Gus was always enamored with the beauty of Chicago and the city's support of all art forms. How many students do you currently serve at the school and how many do you think have passed through the door since its inception? Well, first, my dad, he always wanted to be in the city of Chicago. He knew that he could, Evanston was a suburb and it was not drawing what he felt 
especially for male dancers. He did not feel that he was drawing that in Evanston. So my entire life, he would say, oh, you know, we got to open a second school in Chicago. And when I was younger, I, I think my mom, that was a lot for her. She, you know, she was, she had four children and she was driving and doing all these well, things. she would lend her car out to all yes, those exactly. people. Yes, exactly. She, she would lend, she, exactly, exactly. <laughs> But that was always his his dream. And my dad passed away in 2008. He had a wonderful, rich life. He was 84. And I really felt that it was to really make his dream a reality was to open up in Chicago. And after he passed away, um, I, had a, I had a lot of things. And I also got divorced the same year. And I developed seven bleeding ulcers just from I think all all the stress and I I didn't realize that I got very very sick and I had my youngest at the doctor and I was explaining to the pediatrician who I had for a long time I said I'm not really feeling good I'm having a lot of swelling and I'm having trouble coughing and I just thought it was because I was working all the time and taking care of my children I thought I was just this was natural for getting older. And she said, I think you should get some, you know, blood work before you leave the hospital and the EKG. So I got the, the blood work. I did not get the EKG because I needed to drive to work and be at the studio. Um, so she got the blood results back that night. And I was sound asleep in bed. She got them at 2 a.m., and they were very, very serious, and I wasn't answering the phone. So she drove from her home to her office to get more phone numbers for me <clears throat> so that she could reach me because she was quite concerned. I finally, um, I would really, I was so exhausted that I kind of just laid in my bed and didn't move. That was my pattern at that, at that time. So she reached me at 7 a.m., and she said, Amy, um, she was very calm, wonderful doctor. And she said, there's a bed waiting for you, you know, and I want you to go right now, go to this floor, because she thought I'd had a massive heart attack or a stroke because my levels were so extremely, extremely low. Um, I had been chewing ice incessantly. I would ask for just ice instead of water, and that's a sign of very low iron. I was like a 4.2 and everything was kind of depleted in my body from these bleeding ulcers, which I didn't know I had because I always took aspirin every day because when I injured my knees, they said, you're going to get arthritis, just take aspirin every day and that will help. Well, the aspirin was making the ulcers worse, but I didn't feel any pain from the ulcers. So I didn't, it took about a year to really realize how sick I was. I spent um, four and a, like four or five days in the hospital. I got three blood transfusions. And when the, when the, I was getting the transfusions, it was like a, somebody had given me water for the first time. It was like, oh my gosh, this is lovely and amazing. Um, of course, they said, don't take any more aspirin. <laughs> so I did stop taking aspirin. And that's when I realized that my knees really, um, I knew they were quite bad. I, I couldn't use my knees at all at that point. I did everything with my arms and I would go up the stairs and it sounded like I was cracking walnuts. My kids were like, mom, I'm not talking. I'm not walking with you. Your knees, you sound crazy. 
So I thought, well, I think this is the time to look into getting knee replacements. And yes, I, I found a doctor that was surprised I could walk. And at that same time, I knew it was time to move the business out of Evanston. I found Andersonville just driving around and fell in love immediately. I looked at the place where we are now, and it was um, uh, John Roberts' hair product. I'm trying to think. It was I, a hair studio. Yes, a it, was a ha- it was a school. Mm-hmm. And it was a shell. We're, we're upstairs. Uh, we're above, above Akira, 5230. It was a complete shell when I looked at it. Nothing was nice about the building at that point except for these beautiful windows and there were poles in the middle of the building and there were poles in Evanston where we were. And I really just sent, got this sense from that my mom and dad were like, yes, this is the place. There were families everywhere. People were talking to us. Immediately, I just had a sense of warmth that Andersonville was the right place. So I, um, you know, signed the lease. Then I had my first knee done uh, right before Thanksgiving. I spent the next uh, five weeks getting therapy on that knee. And the middle of January, I had the second knee done. So I did all my work from home as we were. Well, we we actually didn't start work in the Andersonville unit until uh, May. And I was never worried the whole time. I just knew that this Anderson was Andersonville was going to be wonderful for the school. And when my contractor started working, and he he had the contact here, and he said, "Amy, oh my gosh, you're gonna love it here. There's people. It's a Monday night, and there's." people everywhere and everyone is friendly to us and there's delicious food and there's easy things and we can run across the street to the hardware store and get things and it was it really gave me such a wonderful feeling we opened um june of 2011 i started driving like the middle of may for the first time so it was a month after um my knees and it was the most incredible thing ever to in Andersonville and it's actually it's changed we're reaching so many children more than we did in Evanston but I think you also asked me how many students we had reached total and I think it's close to a million students that my dad over all the years um, have come through the building and it's amazing that's incredible It is so amazing to hear your story. I mean, we hear you speak so much about your parents and it's always wonderful to hear their story and to hear the school story. And earlier in the podcast, you said, I just have a positive outlook, but it's so much more than that. You just have this inner strength that is so strong and just so incredible to hear about. And we did want to ask you about the Gus Giordano Jazz Legacy Foundation that you head up and that you started two years ago. And it just seems like um, such an incredible way to carry on the legacy of your family, but also your story, Amy, um, I think really is connected to that foundation. Can you tell us a little bit more about it? Yes, I would love to. It, it really is. It excites me every day. Uh, again, I got my generosity from my parents. I don't know if if people realize it couldn't have happened without the two of them because my dad was out 
teaching and everywhere he would go, he would meet you and he would say, oh, Laura, oh my gosh, I want to train you. I want you to come to the school. I'm going to give you a scholarship. What that meant was he was going to give you everything free. If you moved to Chicago, he'd give you all the classes at the school. Both of my parents were so generous that way. My mom knew that my dad, it was, it was so important to spread this love of jazz dance. And she was very much a mom to everyone. She'd be saying, Sarah, do you have enough to eat? Here, come over to the house. Do you need a car? I'm going to get you a job. Take my car and you get to do this job. So I realized I was giving many scholarships personally, my own, but I can only give a certain amount. And there were so many more children that I wanted to reach. And I realized if I created a not-for-profit where people could then give to the foundations or, or give to the Castellano Jazz Legacy, we would be able to provide more scholarships. And we just developed it a year and a half ago, which to me, it seems like it's always been there. This summer, we gave, I believe, 50 scholarships for a full week of camp to children from many of the CPS schools, Pierce, Franklin Fine Arts, uh, uh, Ravenswood. We're doing a partnership with them right now and like teaching in the classrooms. But the children that are able to come to Gus, what I am the most excited about is we have required uniforms and so we give the child all the attire they need, all the shoes, everything. If they need a haircut kit, if they need to be taught how to make a bun, we help them with everything. So all the children now are on an even playing field. And you have no idea if that child is on scholarship or if they've chosen to take at the school. We even provide some transportation for children that you know, don't have, maybe they don't have a car or they don't have the way to, to get to Gus. And to see all of these different children from coming from all over the city of Chicago, plus the suburbs, we draw, we are, we are a draw all over Chicago, mixed in with children that this might be the first time that they've ever danced, but no one has any idea that they didn't just go onto the website and sign up. And that's what is just the most beautiful thing for me. And it continues on to college students. In the summer, we have a whole program the whole month of July. We've had students, we give them scholarships for that program as well through the, the Jazz Legacy Foundation. And they've come from Mexico and Poland and Germany all over the states, Fordham University, University of Alabama. And when they come and they realize, because jazz is not so prevalent right now in a lot of the colleges, they're teaching more ballet, modern, and a lot of contemporary. And jazz has is being lost. So the, the Legacy Foundation, the, I can see that when the students come to us, they say, 
We want jazz. We love jazz because it is, it's reflecting everything that's happening in the world. And it's very technical and it's very precise. It's very exciting to watch. And when they come and then they leave us and they say, long live jazz. That was always my my dad's phrase. Now it's my phrase. We have shirts that say long live jazz. And it is very inspiring to me to be able to give back and keep jazz in the forefront. Well, Amy, we've now reached the part of our podcast where we ask business owners, which Andersonville business would you like to trade places with for the day? Oh, oh, let me think. There are a lot of wonderful businesses. But you can only choose one. I can only... Joelle lets people choose multiple. What? I know. I can only choose one. I didn't know about this question at all. (laughs) Let me think. I think it would have to be because I do really like interacting with people. That's very... Any, I like all different types of people. So I would say I'm going to pick a restaurant and I'm going to pick Vincent's because uh, Mike and I, we were at a chamber event and we happened to sit at the same table and we just became great friends. And so to be on that other side of getting to come up to tables and say, oh, I want you to try this and the chef prepared this today. And it's very warm and welcoming. So I would switch places with him. That's a good one. Well, thank you, Amy, for joining us today. And thank you for listening to Always Andersonville, the podcast. For more information about Amy and Gus Giordano Dance School, please visit GusGiordanoDanceSchool.com. For more information on the foundation, visit GusGiordanoLegacy.org. Show notes on today's episode can be found at Andersonville.org. Always Andersonville, the podcast, is engineered and edited by Andy Miles in Studio C at Transistor, a gallery, shop, performance, recording, and teaching space located at 5224 North Clark Street. Have your own podcast idea? The studio is available to rent. Please call 872-208-5877 or stop by the store for details.